0: After studying Microbiology at University, Apuwe Ngunsani worked as a brewmaster for SAB. Apuwe is very involved in training and promoting the beer industry in South Africa. Please welcome Apuwe Ngunsani Mawela to the show. My name is Holger Meyer and this is Beer World. Apuwe Ngunsani (laughs) Mawela, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. When we first met, I think it was about 2014. You were still working for Brew Hogs, but you got into craft beer long before that. Um, yes. And you were one of the few privileged ones at Sab to actually brew beer on on or small batch beer. And I was very excited when I heard about Fronten Street. Tell us a little bit about that early the early days with Sab.
1: Yeah, so I I joined SAP straight out of varsity. I actually got a bursary uh, from the company to do my uh, honors microbiology. Then I joined, trained as a brewer, okay. and then um, worked different uh, positions within the company. And it was in 2011 that I got a pos I got to work at uh, Francis Francis Street Brewery. So, my role was to um, reopen the brewery and I got involved in the craft beer space. I think that back then in 2011, we starting to really get going. Um, so, I used to brew for different festivals. So, I brewed for Clarence, At the time SAB used to sponsor Clarence um, and uh, Solstice, uh, Cape Town Festival of Beer. And then we also had the um, October 1st that SAB used to run with Spa. So that was an interesting time for me. I got to meet a whole lot of different um, uh, brewers who started their own company, breweries, um, and get, got to know about the different beer styles, got to meet a whole lot of uh, home brewers, and yeah, I kind of fell in love with the whole craft
0: thing. It was more about the community than the beer, wasn't it?
1: Yes, yes,
0: definitely. Up <laughs> <laughs> you what was SAB's intention with Francine Street?
1: So at that time when I joined, um, it was more it was more to to celebrate the beer culture, okay. uh, you know. And um, and 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 I know at that time we used to sponsor a lot of festivals. Um, and and for me in that role, I'd just be told you know brew brew something. Tell us what you're making. Um, so there was no um, it was not like. There was no restrictions, but I know Francis Street over the, t- over the time, once I'd left, they started making more commercial beers, which were available um, in pubs. But at that time, in my time, we were we just bring uh, playing around different styles for different festivals and just being part of that whole craft revolution, which was, for me, quite quite interesting. And um, it's, I think it ignited the passion for creativity within me. Mm-hmm
0: what was the most interesting besides and in Street where you could play a uh, craft brewer?
1: <laughs> um, I think for me, the, the early days were very interesting. Um, you know, coming out of school, not really knowing what being a brewer means or what beer making is about. Yeah. Um, you know, early, early 20s and being in... Um, when when I moved there I didn't know a soul um, I made many friends you know we had um the, in terms of the learning uh, how to how to become a brewer, got I uh, was taught by by like great brewers. I mean uh Daniel Wa was actually my first boss when I joined mm. with my brewmaster um at the time um so you know being being taught by by people that um that had the time that that love sharing. Um there's a um, I mean, many guys I remember there was a an old man who had worked at that brewery since day one and he knew every valve, every corner, and he just I I just went under his wing and he, he used to share quite a lot. And I think for me those are some of the learnings that as I grew um and, and got into and when I you know, when I left SAP and and moving to starting my own company, you know. Um, using those learnings as, 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 which have come in handy also for me. So for me, that is like a, a, a nice memory.
0: Yeah. So we first met when you worked at, at Brew Hogs. How did you end up there?
1: So, um, you know, 2011, 2012, I was at France and life was good. Then it so happens that... Um, uh, I, I think within the company there was a bit of shift in in in, in what uh, what the company wanted to do. So I was moved back to um, normal brewery. Uh, so I headed up a um, one of the plants. You know, so for me it was not as exciting as okay. I think afterwards. And I think also during that time I got to meet I mean, the first the first the pioneers of the industry. Like. Um, Guys from Darling, I think Jack Black was was really also at that time just getting going, and the time CBC was just starting. Also uh, met um, Chris from Boston, you know Natalie from Clarence. So I got to interact with all these wonderful people who were sharing how they got to start their own companies, and um, I was getting good reviews on my peers. You know, like you know you make good peers, why are you not? doing this, um, I, you know how it is with um, with uh, home brewers and brewers where we we convince ourselves that just making good beer is enough to start your brewery,
0: um,
1: but yeah, so it started from that and then I was introduced to Mike and Paddy who owns the Hawkhead pub and they were looking at uh, setting up their own brewery. Uh, brew pub actually, and um, and then we formed a partnership, and that's how we started brew homes.
0: They exist primarily to su- supply their own, uh, brew pubs. Is that was that like that then?
1: Yeah. So the initial uh, idea was to actually build a brew pub. Okay. Um, so it was to build a brewery within one of the pubs, but um, obviously learned that in in Tank the laws don't allow. Want to do that? So the brewery has to be in the in industrial area. Yeah. So that's when then um, we shifted to actually then building a brewery separately, which would then feed the the pubs, um, and then try to also make the pubs a like you feel that you are in like it, the brewery and the pubs feel like one thing, even though they might be in different locations.
0: Yeah. And uh, what was the response in the early
1: days? no, in the early days um this was back 2014, 2015. um you know it was it was a great time for it's a South African craft uh we you know i think at that time we also had we're starting to move to really more commercial i think before that we had a few commercial, but mainly people were moving from being home brewers to you know um growing from being home brewers. And um at that time we started having, you know, um quality was starting to improve, um, availability was starting to improve. Um we we also had I think the guys from the tap room who were also uh, doing um installing taps, you know, which is something wasn't there, let's say in you know, the like th- 2012, 2013. So the uptake, I mean brew Hogs were doing quite well. Uh it was a three thousand uh page ta- uh, brewery. And we had like very really good um, distribution available throughout um Gauteng and also in the Western Cape. So it was quite a good time.
0: Okay, and we when did you start doing contract brewing for other people?
1: So the model was always a um, a bit of contracting. So at, at Brewhogs. The, at Brewhog's, yeah. so from the from the onset um it is at the problem the one of the problems we had, which, which is actually what led me to opening up my own brewery was the volume, like 3000 liters. If you are just starting out, you don't have any, uh route to market. Um, you know, you, you're just starting a brand that you don't even know how to shift 3000 liters, uh, might actually quite be a lot for mm. you to, to, then, um, try and move obviously having had to pay for it up front and then try sell and knowing that, you know, um, the product had a a short soft life. Yeah. So yeah. So in 2015, I actually started my own company, uh, Brewster's Craft, because you know when when we started Blue Hogs, um, one of the things I did tell the guys is, you know I do not I do not want to just work at a brewery because that's what I used to do at SAP. You know, I would I'd like to do bigger things or more things. Mm. Um, and um, I started uh, Brewster's Craft at that time. The, um, for me, the thinking was more to do the training and the consulting because okay. I, yeah, I realized that as the industry was growing, we had a, there was a big gap in terms of um, upscaling um, the, the, the the staff to also make sure that brewers are not relying only on YouTube or reading uh, international books. But that, you know, there is a local, locally available training and using my experiences from SAB to HDB do that. So Bruce's craft initially was mainly to do consulting and training. But then what happened is as I was helping brands develop their recipes. I think my first clients were Shuffle Breweries, um guy in Tembisa. Uh, in people in companies. So it was like the first, my first set of clients. But then they were like, 3,000 is quite a lot of volume to to, to, to brew. Um, can we not find a, a, a smaller, bite sized brewery to kind of launch the brand? And yeah, so the idea of starting out my own brewery then came from that to say, you know, I'm offering this service, but it gets to a point where I can't move. So how about I actually offer the full, full service, full service where I do the consulting, launch brands, and be able to actually bring them to life, so that people can then also be able to go out to the market and test these um, these beers in the market and grow volumes. Yes, so that's where then in 2017, 2017, 2018, I I applied for funding with the IDC. Um, to build up my own brewery. But before that, actually, so went around trying to get investors. Uh, so I did like a full six months um, of presenting the business plan to a few uh, potential investors up until I actually landed up at to see.
0: So, what was that like <laughs> trying to fundraise? Because that's a completely different um, job, I guess, than, uh, than brewing and consulting.
1: Yes, it was. It was quite a. Um, it was quite interesting, <laughs> actually. Uh, you know, it, it 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 was something outside my comfort zone, as uh, something I, obviously I never done before. But yeah, as uh, as I started uh, meeting and talking to different um, people and presenting, it also allowed me to kind of, as you get asked questions about what is it that you're trying to do, um, you know. Is it the right time? Do you think it's going to work? And then, and you actually also start questioning your own thinking, like you know, is it is this really is it really it? Will it really work? Uh, but for me, I think one of the key things that allowed me to kind of keep going was, um, I think the the trust I gained um, from from my uh, my clients, because I had people that had. Written like, uh, put in letters of intent saying, you know what, I will definitely, I'm just waiting for you to have the proof. Oh, okay, which, yes, which helped obviously when I got to the IDC because mm-hmm. keeping with the IDC, they want evidence. You know, you, you might have a great idea, but if you don't have proof that you know you'll be able to bring the idea to life uh, and tangible uh, proof, your, your business plan will probably just sit in the shelf. So for me, I worked into the IDC already with clients. Um, and so that helped a lot.
0: And how was that whole process with the IDC?
1: It was a very difficult <laughs> process. Um, it was a process that took uh, over six months. Um, you know, initially, and the initial phase, I did a presentation of, of, of what I wanted to do and where I thought it was going and I and 'cause they've got different stages. So you pass the first stage and then the second stage then you scrutinize like the whole business plan. So there was a lot of back and forth, you know, to, to 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 give more evidence, substitute the, you know, the, the, the plan, financial projections and So by the time that took us probably like, uh, oh, just over six months. So by the time they were ready to actually grant the market research had kind of, you know, how crafted that, it was like, even now it's ever changing every month, an ever changing thing. So by the time they were ready to like grant um, the funding, I had to redo the market um, research major market uh, research because you know they were like you know things have changed since the first time we spoke are you sure this you know is it, is it still a viable business so it was a lot of um, a lot of work and i think you know i've had people that have asked me you know how did i manage to get through and I, and for me um because i also did my own business plan i didn't get a consultant yeah. so i was able to answer any questions they asked because I had gone and, and, and did the research by myself. I I had gotten to a point where I've been in the industry for for a few years to to have learned from those who were there before, and um and and to kind of kind of have an idea of where things could potentially be going. So that helped
0: with my reputation. Do they have uh, mentors that helped you through the process?
1: Yeah. So what they do is they, they, within the, um, within the team, they'll have someone who specializes in marketing. So who would focus on the marketing side of your business plan. And then the ones who actually ask more questions related to that. And then someone who deals with the financial side of your business plan, so, um, so i got, I had different meetings with the different team members and they, they individually would then write a report, um, which will go to the team leader who will then compile one report that goes to the committee. So each one would, would um, have their a view whether the business makes sense or it doesn't, what needs, what support post, because they also look at post-investment support, so they will identify gaps within the business. So um, the fact that I don't have financial background, I'm just a pro, you know, so that was obviously a big gap that I needed to have. Financial support post investment, um, so they do that for the whole uh, business to see to identify gaps, and then within the funding, they will put some funds aside for what they call business support.
0: Okay, so was it was it a good good experience?
1: Um, yes, it was. I think for me, it was. Um, you know, if I had to do it again, obviously now I am. Older and a bit wiser. <laughs> <laughs> um, at that time, um, I just needed. I just. I just. I just had just said that you know, whatever I take, I just need to get this money. and yeah. I just need to do this thing, um, and and not you know. Whereas now, I probably I know a bit more and I, I know better. Um, I would, I would do it again, but I think I'll do it differently if I if, if given if I if I could go back, I'll yeah. do it a bit differently. Um. You know, uh it, it was I think for me also what happened thereafter with COVID and you know, having to close down and have to you know, there were clauses that when you were signing, you're like, Ah, what are the chances, <laughs> what are <Yeah>. the probabilities <laughs> You know, some of them you don't even really like, ah as long as I get the money. Um, you know, and um and obviously now the the last two years have you know, the world was upside down. Things were not what we all, we all have thought to would be, and um, things changed, which obviously then also affected um, that deal.
0: Did you feel that they were happy to have somebody of your profile? There can't be many black brewers applying to start a little craft brewery.
1: Yeah, so I think I mean I I know people who, who have who have applied. Uh, also, I know like So Soweto, Soweto Brewery, for example, was part funded by IDC also. Okay. I did they were actually the first uh, craft brewery that they find it. So mine was the second. Okay. So they did that that. Um, like, and at that time, it was after they just sold. So when I went to, to the IDC, it was during that time when they were selling to Heineken. Yeah. So um, there was a lot of – that was used as like a, a case study or learning. Yeah. And some of the, the things that happened in that deal – or things that they felt could could have been handled differently in that deal, we we obviously then used in my deal, and as a result, everyone that applies now after me, they're gonna have a tough time because <laughs> they're gonna use you know my deal as as a reference point. And um, unfortunately, you know, for me, and and I, I've said to also to the guys that your COVID was something that none of us um, could have. Foreseen, and um, it, 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 you know, it, it, it would have been it's a bit unfair to use that time to judge the business because we don't know what could have happened if it wasn't for COVID. Um, we don't know whether it would have folded or would have been the best, it would have thrived. No one yeah. knows, and we will never know, you know. So it becomes a bit unfair, I think, then too. But unfortunately, that's how it's going to be.
0: Yeah, so I mean, the 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 difference between Soweto Brewery and yours couldn't have been bigger. Um, they sold their brewery, I guess, when when Heineken um, was very upbeat and positive about the industry, and probably too upbeat. And uh, when you you really got a bloody nose from from COVID. Yeah, I think
1: that I mean for me that was, that was also part of the market. Uh, section of the of the submission that you say you know what the industry is growing if you've got a big giant like Henikin who's willing to spend millions um, on on buying a brand and 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 wanting to build that brand but you know that that showed that that proved that you know there was something in this industry um, that was probably worth spending more energy and time on to see how far we can grow. Um, so I think the whole to henikin deal, for me, uh, you know, on the commercial side, uh, in terms of volumes and, and, and growth of the industry, worked well.
0: Yeah, and then when, when COVID came, I watched you from a distance and I watched you with tears in my eyes. That was a terrible, terrible time for, for the whole industry, but... I mean, you had just launched your your business, and it must have been a terrible time for you.
1: Yeah. So, so when COVID, uh, yeah, be, just before COVID, because um, just a few steps back, when we, by the time we we got our the funding, which was in uh, I think it was twenty twenty eighteen, when we finally signed everything. Um, one of the conditions was that um for them to disperse the funds that I needed to have a liquor license. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know how it is liquor license. You then not have to find premises that you then have to be paying rental. Um, and I didn't have the funds that, you know, the loan amount. So I had to find that all that by myself. Um, and, and with the licenses, I think six months into the, when they were about ready to issue the, the, the license, they didn't realize that no, actually, I should have had the full kit installed for them to grant, you know, for the inspector to do this final sign off. So then it was like, no, but I can't buy the equipment because the funder is waiting for the license before they release the funds, so I can buy the equipment. <laughs> so that was a big one because I spent another month back and forth trying to convince the two entities, Khao uh, like Leka Board, and I just say, you know what? I just need to get going. One, both of you want the other to do the, the to start, but I'm stuck in the middle. You know, I need I need the license to get the funds, but I need the funds to get the license approved. So that took another month, which kind of delayed um, the process, the project. Uh, so we finally placed orders like October 2018. Um, the equipment was coming from China, and uh, the project plan was Italian. Then I had a few other pieces from um, Italy and some um, South African uh, builds. So then we had Chinese New Year. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so the plant finally landed the first bit of it in um, just around Easter. Then it was stuck at the Deben Harbour during the Easter holidays. So, yeah, finally in commissioned, um June, July, we ran our first cruise. Uh, <laughs> August, September, that's when we really started production. Um, then fast forward, six months later, we were in a lockdown. So it was, it was, uh, you know, it was at that time when I started also uh, employing more people, just getting ready to really, you know, 2020. 2020 was meant to be the year where we really started um, production, like real production. So, yeah, you know, it's around the time, 2020, we had the, the speech by a president of of uh, you know the 21 days lockdown which ended up becoming two years going to three years now of um of the up and down so it was a very tough time I mean for me first few months um trying to just keep going uh, applied for all the um, Uifs that were being on offer I looked at um I think it was mid giant was doing sanitizers I tried to see, how you know I could also turn into making sanitizers proved to be quite an expensive exercise. Um, I looked at packaging sanitizers. I looked at um, launching a non-alcoholic. You know, so I yeah, I was like one of those crazy moments where you're like I just need to just need to see the end of the month, you know. Um, and for me, luckily, like a landlord um, they, they were able they were able to give us some um, payment breaks on the rental. Uh, unfortunately, um, I couldn't get the same for, for the loan, so couldn't pay um, the main loan account, couldn't pay salaries, you know, struggling to pay um, part of the rental because we were, like, kept on opening and closing, and I think for me, you know, looking back, one of the key things was the fact that, um, you know, not only were we just starting, but all the brands that I was contract bring for were also small businesses in their own rights. So it was not like well established brands that were able to survive in between. So um when we were opened, some of them had um stock there had to throw away so they couldn't afford to prove because also their businesses were self-funded. So it was just a mess. Um and uh fast forward June twenty twenty one, that's when I just decided you know what Let's just uh, pick up and see what life has in store for us going forward.
0: One day they'll make a study about the worst timing ever hey?
1: <laughs> It was the worst time ever
0: yeah oh, and and one would think that uh, that uh, there is a bit of leniency with with somebody like the IDC. I mean they you'd think that they can see what that it's not your fault and that really our country needs entrepreneurs and especially black and female entrepreneurs and was there any any understanding from their side?
1: Yeah, it was, um, you know, without bad-mouthing anyone, <laughs> um, it was, you know, it was like even for me, you know, before, before finally giving up, I, I tried to, you know, to try reason, um, try to make sense of the situation, um, you know, try to to reach the powers that be um, to try see, you know, what is, um, what is possible, um, you know, I try. I, like, you know, I think for me, that's why by the time I decided to close, I was at peace with it because I was like, no, I'd, I did all that I could have done within my powers and it's fine. For me, it was like, you know what, um, this didn't work out. I tried to keep it going. Um, powers that be, things were just not working out. So how do I now continue, um, you know, remaining positive and, and just continue being?
0: Was it about that time when you started working with Barsa?
1: So I, I had been voluntarily um, involved in, in, in that. So actually, I actually stepped down from BASA at the, at the end of, of uh, during COVID because I was like, you know what, I can't volunteer off my time. I need to focus my energies on trying to, you know, keep my business going. Yeah. Uh, and when things, when I closed down, so I went back to the team to say, you know what, I, I am available and I do have time. Um, and we then, I, I started joining a um, consultancy in within the Buster team. So kind of continue doing most of the stuff that I was doing, but now obviously more structured um, approach. What is
0: the role of, of the beer association?
1: So, um, the Beer Association is an association that represents uh, beer manufacturers in the country. So, on the board, we've got the CEO of SAP Hennigan and uh, the chairperson of the Craft Carpenter Association. And the mandate of BASA is basically to promote beer um, and and, and celebrate all that is beer. So, that is, um, and differentiate beer from, you know, other, alcoholic products be it on excise be it on beer culture creating a beer culture and um I mean that's why we're also working now on beer tourism to 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 into um you know to, to celebrate you know uh beer within the tourism space celebrate beer within the agricultural space and show that you know that uh, beer is not just a product that uh, we typically see when Headlines are talking about drinking and people irresponsibly drinking. We always see a picture of beer, but then when they talk about food pairings, beer culture, tourism, you know, you have other types of alcoholic beverages and typically not beer. So we're trying to reposition beer in the country as a product of moderate consumption, you know, um, that can play a role, that does play a role in you know, in the upliftment of of our communities, also. Okay. Focus is also now on government because, you know, the policy changes and decisions that are being made are being made by people that are, are not are not within the PR community. You know, they're not they're not part of um, they don't attend PR festivals or they don't know about your book. They don't know about all the great work that we're doing. Mm. Whereas, so, uh, through BASA, then there's a platform to really engage at the highest level possible um, so that we can then, you know, together with the high level and the low level on the groundwork, we're all kind of working together to drive the same narrative.
0: Okay. And tell us a little bit about what you do now. You're still involved with um, your brand. You've started your own beer brand. Um I guess you started that earlier, but you're still making that and promoting that.
1: Since we closed down the brewery, so I just I decided to focus on that, on growing Tolokazi. Um, and it, for me, one of the reasons why I decided to do that is because I, I believe that had, if when COVID happened or when the, the alcohol restrictions came about, if I had a strong enough brand in the market that had um, you know that was, had a, a good presence in retail, um that had a good brand following, you know, um, we could have we could have maybe survived, you know, okay. the the restrictions. And and now it's like going looking back to say, okay, fine, you know, how do I how do I regroup? How do I rebuild? Um, so it's, you know, can of create a strong enough brand that whatever happens in the future, you know, it is it can can weather the storm. So whether um i get the opportunity to to build a brewery again uh or or whatever the case may be i would like it to come in when um i'm in a better position than when i I was before COVID, in terms of you know access to market retail brand awareness and then and so that's kind of like what i've been focusing my energies on now and see you know how the rest of the year unfolds um and up until we get to back to our sort of normal, see how what life brings after that.
0: Mm. So uh, you need to explain two things to me: the, the name of of the beer, and then Suguma Bagbon.
1: So the, the brand is um, is Toloka. So Toloka is the is, is, is Lossam, my clan name.
0: What does what um, does that mean? What is a clan name? Is it like a surname?
1: You might have different surnames, but actually belong to the same clan. Okay. So within clans, they're also, uh, you know, they, they, they're they more like below the tribe. So you have the Costa Nation, and then within the Costa Nation, you're broken down into different clans. And from there, then you can do same names and then end. Okay. So um, for me, the reason why I chose that name because we had a few, there was a few other names that were on the table for the brand. um, And Tolokazi became the one because also, um, you know, when we talk of uh, brewing and, and how traditionally it's it still is a, a, a role of women across the continent, and the, those women would typically be called after their clean names. So, as a sign of respect, they will not be called by their name. So, if I was in the 15th century and brewing in my heart somewhere, um, there, will, people would call. They would say they're going to drink Guatolo guys or Mam Um And for me, it is, it is that's the reason why I was, because it ties in with all the other work I've been doing for, you know, for for the past few years, uh, advocating for women in the industry and celebrating Africa in the global beer space. And and yeah, so for me, that was what the brand is about. Uh, if you look, even you know, our our label design. You know I spoke to my designer I asked him for something African, but new age africa world class you know not not the what I'm mean, not what Americans think we are as Africans, you know like with giraffes and lions, but something that you know I can take to u k for example, just launch the beer in u k yeah. that um we can look at and say, you know this is a very good representation of Africa, you know it's a new age Africa, the new world. Africa.
0: Yeah, that that is amazing. And you and you need to tell that story all the time and you need to repeat it.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, not getting tired, not not time soon. <laughs>
0: yeah. And and then your your slogan, Suguma Bagbon.
1: Yes. So um so interestingly that is also something that across um the African cultures, languages, and and tribes is something that everyone resonates with it's uh, it, it it loosely translates that stand up so the world so that they see you yes. so typically if um like just to put it in context if let's say a man is like proud of his wife and he's taking him to, taking her to like a village meeting or um <coughs> or whatever they might have done in the olden days and he wanted everyone to, you know everyone to know that that is his wife, and he's like extremely proud of her and, and so they would say, as." <laughs> like, so the whole village can see that I chose you out of all the other women and other ladies in the village. So for me, that um, then apply to the brand is that Toloaz as a brand should, you know stand for Africa as a whole to see and the world to see and taste that, you know, is what we can offer, yeah, in um, the tip of Africa.
0: Uh-huh, and I got it wrong. I said Suguma, but it's Pagama.
1: It's Pagama. <laughs> no, but Suguma in Zulu, but it's Suguma. So especially Zulu will say sukuma or Pagama, depending on who you're talking to. <laughs> um, yeah, but it means the same thing. So sukuma Pagama, yeah. Suguma, pagam, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I, I needed this interview so that I could say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, i be aware. So one of the one of the highlights in my life were in 2015, mm-hmm. and uh, we were in George, and I, and I got onto a bus full of strangers. And there was one person <laughs> that got up and welcomed me with with open arms, and <laughs> made me feel uh, part of the f- the family. And that was you. Can you remember that?
1: Um. Yes, yeah, I actually saw pictures the other day, and yeah, and it was like, yeah, actually, that was like the first time where we physically met, but it feels like forever.
0: Yeah. And just to to paint the pictures, this was a bus full of white males who probably drank way too much and spoke too much and had big <laughs> voices like Adam Scott. Um, and the person that was really in charge was <laughs> was up here, because you ran you were you were in charge of that that group of men, and we went down just just to explain on a hop tour with Dani Urdendahl. Um and that was a wonderful experience, and, and I just admired the way you you fitted in and how you managed to deal, deal with all these men. Um, what are your memories of that tour?
1: I think for me it was um, <laughs> it was just uh, you know one of those things where uh, wherever I'm in the space, you know, this whole thing of sitting in a corner and feel that you you know you're different, you stand out. So I was like you know what I'm here. I'm not here by chance, you know. Um I I am here because I want to be here and this is where I need to be and um let's just have fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and in the process learn as much as we can about each other, about the industry and yeah.
0: Yeah, I just I just want to say that I take my hat off to you how you how you approach this thing and yeah, and I mean the result is that we 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 really appreciate and 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 honor you within the the brewing circles. I think.
1: No, thank you, thank you so much.
0: <laughs> I said the one thing that you so, can't seem to get away from is is training and uplifting other people in the in the beverage industry or in the brewing industry. What what are you doing at the moment, and um, what are your ambitions?
1: Yeah, I think for me that is actually. Kind of call to to who I am and where I'm about, um and that is the legacy I like to leave behind, um not just a, a bottled product you <laughs> know the headlines that claim to bring first black female to own a brewery. I'm like but obviously in twenty twenty two it's not something we should really be celebrating as a country it should be it should be a norm it should be like, oh okay, yeah. yeah another one okay shouldn't even be a thing but unfortunately it is um, and for me it's about you know what can I do within within my powers within my networks and within the connections that I have to make sure that I'm not the first and the last and also to to make it a norm to talk about it um, and make those who might feel left on the outside that actually you know there is no there is no fence. There is no so and so is allowed, so and so is not allowed. But anyone who, who who feels you know um, they can participate within the industry, they should be able to 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 get in and, and do what they want to do. So um, yeah, so at the moment, you know, my focus is on, on not just the brand, but also to continue um, opening up the, the 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 space for more uh, young entrepreneurs to get into the industry. Um, and not just beer, you know, I think in my journey, I've had people who are even outside of the beverages, like, you know, because there's wine people, people that want to do gins and, but interestingly, even outside of beverages, within the food space, people that are like, you know, I never thought it was even possible. But seeing you do it is giving me hope that, you know, I, I can, I can also do it. Um, and for me, that's what makes me sleep well at night. I've been told that I'll probably die poor (laughs) because because I care more about um, the next person, which is, for me, it's about Ubuntu, and that's who we are as Africans, you know. I am because we are. And if we forget that and we all chase the millions, you know, going, you know, for us to travel, you know how they're saying that go alone, you may go far or whatever but if you go together you get further uh, mm. for me that's my thinking to say you know if I take other people with on the journey um, you know it opens up things for me also but also opens up you know for everyone else and that's what I want to continue doing so at the moment I am planning a, uh, <clears throat> a seminar because uh, I've seen a lot of people would like ask me to mentor them or um those call me asking me for know advice and I don't have time as much as I would love to help everyone but I just don't have the practically time to do it so I thought you know why don't I organize a seminar invite other people within um, the industry um, and also outside of PR so I've got people that will talk about gin their experiences starting up Hawaiian um, brand and the idea for me there is just to share uh, knowledge and experiences and so that people that are coming after us don't have to repeat some of our mistakes um, and um, that's that's kind of like the stuff I do and just continue celebrating Africa and growing in Africa in all ways or forms
0: Abiba, where can people find out more about you in this in this um, seminar?
1: So the seminar is on the 27th of May uh, this year. Um, it's going to be in here in Johannesburg um, in Bramfontein. And then I also want to do a um, virtual version so people can actually trim um, in. And um, it is uh, the tickets are currently available online at Quicket and also on my Social media. If you follow me on social media, you will definitely come across it.
0: Mm. Okay, we'll we'll post your link uh, to your LinkedIn or something on on in the show notes. Abi, thank you for your time, thank you for your inspiration, and thank you for what you do for for our country and for changing our hearts one 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 heart at a time.
1: Yes. No, it takes it takes. it takes one person at a time, and uh, before we know it, we'll all have forgotten or even had this chat.
0: <laughs> thanks up you were.
1: okay thanks thanks so much
0: thank you for listening to our stories here online in the show notes you will also find a link where you can subscribe to become part of our community and be notified when we upload our latest content